In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Before I do that, I would invite us to a time of family prayer. We have prayed and worshipped in so many ways this morning. I want to invite, invite us to just bow our heads, to be in God's presence silently, to experience His quieting, centering presence, or perhaps in your own heart to voice some prayers uh, that you need to bring up to date. And then I'll lead us in family prayer. Eternal Spirit, it is so good to fellowship with you and with one another. We never get over the mystery of that, the joy and privilege of that. We pray that today you might help us to build our lives on foundations that last, eternal foundations. In your mercy, hear our prayers. In your power and in your time, grant us peace, peace within our own hearts, peace in relationships with one another, peace among peoples and races, peace within our nation and among the nations. Today, bless those who serve in our armed forces, scattered all over the world, bless their families while they're separated. Bless the leaders of our nation, of all of the nations. Bless our state and local leaders. Loving God, bless our homes today. Open our hearts to the Holy Spirit's message for our church as well as for us individually that we might set sail, that we might have the courage to be your faithful and creative witnesses in this community. We offer our prayer and our lives in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Before I read Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, I want to remind you that this is the final in the sermon series on uh, church without walls, what it means to truly be uh, engaged in our community in a way that will create transformation. And before I read the scripture, I'd like for us to look again at the preferred future that we, the congregation, uh, develop. This is the input we got around the tables in those wonderful congregational meetings uh, several months ago. And this is, this is what we said we want to be. This is the future that we envision related to community transformation. I'd like for you to say it out loud with me. We'll, let's just say it together. First Baptist Church has a profound impact on the health and well-being of our community, spiritual, emotional, mental, social, and physical needs are met through innovative efforts and active partnering with churches and community organizations. We help people. That is the guidestone for this particular initiative of our congregation. And now from Luke 5, beginning in verse 17, we're going to see how Jesus approached community transformation and how the church truly was without walls as Jesus walked the earth. If you are able, stand please as God's word comes among us. And I'll read this aloud. One day while he was preaching, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting Nearby, they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. 
They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are for, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, Stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This story is uh, one of my favorites. I remember hearing it and seeing pictures of it when I was a child growing up in Sunday school. Uh, These friends carry this paralyzed man. Uh, Their desire is to get him into the presence of Jesus so he can be helped. The crowd is all around the door. They can't get in the house. So they, with great effort, carry him up on the roof. They tear open the roof. They lower him down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus does two wonderful things for him. He forgives the man's sins and he heals the man. And see, Jesus was living out what we are talking about in community transformation, social, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual needs, because when the man was healed, he became capable of serving and working in the community. When he was healed, he became capable of making a contribution and passing on the good news. When he was healed, he was able to live with dignity and a sense of value and worth. His sins were forgiven also, and notice the order. Jesus met the deepest need first. He forgave the man's sins, and then he healed his body. Isn't it just like Jesus to do more than we ask? And isn't it just like Jesus to do before we ask? That's the way Jesus' grace works in our lives. And this forgiveness, this forgiveness is a powerful theme running through this story. And often we're so overcome by the... uh, innovative technique of the men getting uh, their friend down and we're so overcome by the physical healing, we forget that we forget that he also forgave his sins. And of course, everyone was flustered. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus was in effect saying, well, well, here I am. And he forgave his sins. Forgiveness of sins. We all stand in need of forgiveness of sins. That terrible burden we carry around, that gnawing, nagging, just vague, undefined guilt that we carry around, the baggage of the past, the the, the sense of shame. But to know that in Jesus Christ we are liberated, cut free from our past, that we're no longer carrying those burdens, that our Savior 
carry that burden with him to the cross and that our sins are cut loose from us and we're no longer in debt to our sins. That's a marvelous thing. This past uh, month, our uh, office here has been having lots of fun with computer issues. We've been switching over uh, from a server to the cloud with all of our files. And we were told it would go smoothly and be simple. And, uh, you know, when it pops up on the screen, touch any key to proceed. <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to go. And uh, the tech guy was in helping me yet again this week. And he said, well, you know, your, your computer's trying to respond to an old system. And, and uh, it's, it's not completely connected to the new. And that's why this stuff keeps popping up. And then he said... I need to get in there and give it a deep scrub and I think everything will be okay. And I thought, thank you. That's going in my sermon Sunday. (laughs) There's something good that came from this chaos. Isn't that what we all receive in Jesus Christ is a deep scrub so that we stop responding to those old prompts, to that old way of life? We stop responding to that old system, that old way of seeing self and others and God in the world. To be forgiven, what a beautiful gift. And then, of course, there is this business of those Pharisees and teachers who were there that day. And Luke chooses his words carefully. They were sitting, probably all the rest of the crowd was standing, but they were people of privilege, They were somebodies. They were sitting. They were the doctrine police to make sure that Jesus didn't say anything wrong. They were the ones who were there more interested in proper procedures than in helping people. They tended to put institutions ahead of people's needs. And literally, Luke says, they were taking up space. People could have come through the door, but these people were there to criticize and to find fault, and they were taking up space. They were in the way. And I wonder, without intending to, if we become more like the Pharisees and the teachers than the men who carry Jesus. Without even realizing it, we slip into a different character in this story. Without intending to. You know, you can be devout. You can be committed to Scripture and still miss the point. You can be sincere and thoughtful. And still miss the point. We can be very committed to God and still be in the way instead of showing the way. We don't even realize it, but we've switched characters in this story. You want to be showing the way or you want to be in the way? One of the reflections of this beautiful story. And then to contrast that, these people just sitting, 
judging in the way are these wonderful men who, who helped this lame man be in the presence of Jesus. What a working model for church without walls. They didn't, they didn't take him into the synagogue. They didn't take him into a building. They took him where Jesus was, as he was. What a great model for First Baptist Church. And there are some words that I want you to remember this morning about their style. I want to show you on the screen. I want you to, uh, we're going to leave it up for the rest of the message because it's not that complicated. These men showed us how to do community transformation and to bring people into the healing presence of Jesus. First of all, through cooperation. And as Brooke wonderfully pointed out, the gospel says, when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed man, when Jesus saw the faith of the ones bringing him to Jesus, it's their faith that made possible the powerful healing. There was cooperation. Do you have any idea what we could accomplish if we cooperate? As Carol said uh, in her testimony, it's each person doing our part. When I was attending a Baptist World Alliance meeting some time ago, I was privileged to sit in a conference uh, by a, a, a man from New Zealand who had led the way in uh, fighting uh, the epidemic uh, of, of enforced slave labor, of human being, human trafficking. Uh, he led the way in battling human trafficking in New Zealand. And, and he, was, he was trying to describe why it worked, and he said... When you do kingdom work like this, it's like pieces of a puzzle coming together and all fitting. He says, you do the dishes, somebody else works on policy. Somebody else wins a person to Christ in personal relationship. And another person is a lawyer who works through the court system to make sure that policies stay in place. He said, everybody has a job. Everybody does her part, his part, and all of those pieces come together. And that day, I don't know how many men, Mark says four, Luke doesn't say. Those men didn't all get on one corner and lift the guy's head. They didn't get on one end and and just lift his feet. They, They all cooperated. It's so simple. Each did his part. And that's what it takes to impact this community for Jesus Christ. They also demonstrated innovation. Let me ask you, and think before you answer, what was the goal of the men carrying the paralyzed person that day? Was their goal to make everybody happy? Was their goal not to change anything because people like the way things are? Was their goal to protect the institutions so that they will always be exactly like we like them? No, their goal was to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus Christ, the healing, transforming presence of Jesus Christ. So once you understand their goal... Everything else becomes subservient to that goal. Once you understand their mission, everything serves that mission, 
methodology, approach. Nothing is sacred. The only thing sacred is the mission to bring people into the presence of Jesus and to transform lives. And how easy it is for us to stick with old ways of doing things that used to work. Old methods, old boxes, old ways of thinking. There's a house, we can't get in the house. Wow, think outside the box. Is there anything different we could do? Uh, Most of you know that I love uh, to read history. And I was amazed uh, to read not long ago that at the beginning of World War II, in Europe, that would be 1940, the argument was still going strong for the supremacy of horses for transportation of troops and, and armor and weapons. Even though this was 1940, the argument was going that horses work better than these machines, these things with these mechanized wheels to transport troops and to transport weapons. Even though Poland had already been devastated by the German panzers and the Blitzkrieg in what historians say was a matter of minutes, there were still those who were holding out for the old method of horses. In fact, one military journal of that day wrote, the idea of huge armies rolling along roads at a fast pace is a dream. And after all, they continued to argue, it's easier to care for horses than it is to care for machines. Well, if you've ever had a car breakdown, you might agree. But this is 1940. And they want to keep using horses to fight war. How many horses would First Baptist Church need to let go of in order to do effective ministry in this community? Are there some horses we need to say goodbye to? Are there some rooftops that we need to tear open and just break protocol and do something new and different? You know, Graham Williams keeps saying in our setting sail meetings, Don't limit God. You know what that means translated? First Baptist Church, tear open that roof. Do what needs to be done to impact our community for Christ. And there's a third word up there, hard work. Now think about the men who carried the paralyzed gentleman. First of all, have you ever carried dead weight, somebody who cannot help himself as you move that person? Have you ever lifted a body that is completely limp and helpless? It is not easy to do. And besides all that, don't you suppose there were other things that these men could have been doing that day? You know, their wives probably had a to-do list. They probably had jobs. They probably had family they could have been investing time with. 
They had other places to be, other things to do, but they chose to set those things aside and to do this. I think if there's one piece of, of the whole effort in setting sail that we have not talked enough about, it is the fact that it is going to be hard work for us to be everything that God has called us to be. There's no substitute for hard work, for showing up, for doing the hard work of reading the email all the way to the end, to doing the hard work of thinking critically together outside the box, the hard work of showing up when we'd rather sit at home, the hard work of of dealing with complex situations, the hard work of just the energy and the attention it takes to be the people of God. It's hard work. And we need everybody, and we need everybody ready to work. Have you ever noticed that ministry in the community always sounds more neat and tidy when you're talking about it in here on a Sunday morning? Is it just me or have you noticed that too? When it's in theory, it just sounds so exciting, but you know what? Real life in the community is complex and difficult. The problems seem intractable. The answers seem elusive. And people can be just downright aggravating. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And it's a whole lot easier to sit in church and sing and talk about community ministry than it is to do it because ministry is messy. It's just messy. Now, I want to read a quote, and I'm not going to tell you who said it. I want to see if you can uh, guess who it is. People tire... Let me start again. People tire us out because they ask concrete things of us and we feel the urgency of here and now. People tire us because they ask concrete things of us. They don't ask theoretical things of us. They don't ask theological things of us. They ask concrete things of us and we feel the urgency of here and now, not someday. Guess who said that? Pope Francis. Pope Francis. We get worn out because people ask of us concrete deeds. And because we feel the press of urgency of the here and now, not then and there, someday. Do you see that the church of Jesus Christ is perfectly positioned to meet both the concrete and the eternal needs of our community, the eternal needs of forgiveness and a relationship with God, the concrete needs of food and job training and dignity and respect and and racial equity. The church is perfectly positioned to do both the concrete and the eternal. And Jesus is why we're doing it. We love Jesus. We, We watch Jesus. We see his kindness. We see his generosity, his compassion. We see his courage. We see his thoughtfulness. We see his his willingness to sacrifice. And Jesus is our motivation. So there's just one question that remains. Do you want to be in the way or somebody who shows the way? It's simple. 
Let's bow our heads together. As we bow for just a moment, we want to ask you, first of all, if you have never made a commitment of your heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to trust in Him, to invite Him in to do a deep scrub, to forgive you and to come live inside you, that's called conversion or getting saved. And we offer that invitation this morning. Christ who has the authority to forgive sins and to transform life. And we'll be here at the front during our response time to pray with you should you choose to come and say, I'm, I'm ready to make that first-time commitment to Christ. Others may want to come and pray about particular issues. As always, the uh, door to our church membership is open. Some might want to respond at this time and say, we have found a church home here. Uh, I want to officially invest our life in membership. Maybe God's calling someone else to a particular special ministry, and you want to share that with the church. We invite you to come. Lord, thank you for your love that never fails. Open our hearts to the new and creative possibilities. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.